I'm Kate Wheeler with Christine Bentley, and you're listening to a What She Said podcast exclusive. We've decided to put together themed shows to listen to and get inspired when you're on the go. And on this one, we're featuring our latest one-on-ones with women who inspire us. We're starting off with my one-on-one with Diane Dupuy, the founder of Famous People Players, a blacklight theater troupe featuring developmentally challenged performers. They're celebrating 44 years of fabulous productions. It was really a pleasure to sit down and talk Mm -hmm, with her mm -hmm. because I think most of us have enjoyed in some form or another the, the art which she... Uh, and 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 the performances which she put together, uh, and it was really a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Now I'll have a one-on-one with Sarah Waxman. She's an award-winning restaurant critic, best-selling cookbook author, food and travel journalist who has eaten her way through much of the free world and written about it since 1979. And boy, can she write about food! So thanks for listening, and let us know what you think. Connect with us on social media at What She Said Talk, and be sure to stop by WhatSheSaidTalk.com, where you can watch interviews, find contests, and so much more. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Welcome back. And today we have a very, very special guest for our one-on-one segment, the incomparable Diane Dupuy, the founder of Famous People Players. Welcome back to What She Said, Diane. Well, thank you for having me. Now, if we were to list all the awards that have been bestowed on you and Famous People Players, we wouldn't have any time to chat. But let's just say you founded Famous People Players 44 years ago in June? 44. Two months later, you played your first show at the Canadian National Exhibition. Today, it is world-renowned, has played all over the world, and Diane, a member of the Order of Canada, her mother, and the whole company have been covered in accolades and awards. For any listeners who don't know about Famous People Players or haven't seen one of your shows, describe what it's all about. Well, I founded the company in 1974, and what, uh, Christine, which is really wonderful, and I look back on my life, is that we were the pioneers who first brought integration to the forefront of of the world for people with disabilities, and thus the ripple effect that took place on that brought in inclusion and integration as the main thread for Canada and were written up in the Canadian Encyclopedia under Historia and it's 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 you I look back on the past and I'm very moved by it because at the time we I didn't realize what we were doing you know you were just so young at the time and you know you just didn't realize the movement that we were creating and uh, about a year ago I was asked to be a judge for a community living place where they bring up the talent of all the people they were going to perform mm-hmm. and everything and it was wonderful and I was listening to it, watching it and I I thought how do you vote on something where everybody is just so magnificent and then at the end the last number was a choir and the conductor stepped forward and he said I want to take this moment how excited 
everybody in the choir is backstage that you're here, Diane, because if it wasn't for you, none of us would ever be up on this stage. And I broke down and cried. He says, you set the whole trend. Now we're all integrated. Now we're all doing this, and we owe it to you. And they sang Hallelujah. And, of course, I've never forgotten that moment. And, of course, I always leave feeling, you know, I got to do better because I owe it to these people, but I owe it to a, a donor who walks in our Dine and Dream Theater and comes for dinner and show, uh, maybe leaves a little donation. Uh, I take that very personally because it's about trust, and trust is very important to me. I guess that being raised by the Loretto nuns, yeah. trust, you know, you got it, you know. And that's the way it, it went for me. And the show, we've been to Broadway, it's black light. You don't yeah, see- let's explain to people. Yeah. It, is, it is like human puppets. It's human. You know what? It, it, we were talking about this on the way up. Remember Gene Shalit, that critic on NBC yeah. with the big fancy yeah. mustache used yeah. to come out? He saw us at Radio City Music Hall, and he says, the best way to describe this magnificent show is, it's like seeing Fantasia, Walt Disney's Fantasia, yeah. perform live before your eyes. With black light. With, it's all under black light and illusion. You don't see the performers at all. The only time you meet them is in the curtain call. So I want to know, when was your aha moment? You started this 44 years ago. What happened where you said, oh, I think I'm going to do this? Gosh, never been asked that question. That's a good question. I'm going to found the famous people players. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of problems. Uh, no, as a child, I couldn't concentrate. I still have trouble concentrating in school. So was it ADHD? It was ADHD. Now, and in and those that's days, what I of course, be, you know. And uh, but ADHD, I really believe, means awesome dreams with high drama. <laughs> so. Not doing well and having a lot of creativity in me. My mother was the one who inspired me to go and and listen to my heart and do what is meant to be done, which is your creativity. And she made me my hand puppets. Whereas Mother Pertillo, my teacher at Loretto, the nun, I remember her to this day. She goes, child, I can see now what you're going to do with your life. You're going to do something wonderful in theater, but I have to fail you for grade six. So, you know, it was it was very all that all those people that came along in those early days pushed me. And it was one night and I'm a dreamer when I go to sleep at night. I can't I sometimes I wake up and I'm so tired from dreaming. I mean, I in the last hours, but it was almost like I can't explain it. My puppets came to life that I was working on and there was all these people and they were revealing their faces and that's basically how it's the spark in my head but then another spark came when I went to a, a place in Toronto called the Surrey Place Centre at that time and I have to say it sorry folks for the mentally retarded to do a little show puppet mm-hmm. show that I was doing and a young girl had a seizure and all those kids got up and helped her and nobody laughed nobody was crazy like they described these people to be and I thought oh my god this shouldn't be here they should be doing something 
And, and then I looked around and I could see ceramics they built and the famous Christmas cards that they once did. And I says, why aren't they out seeing how the, when the people buy them, how much joy it brings? So it was all those little seeds that were planted. But, but also, you, you had a pretty tough childhood. And I think, um, I, I know your dad was an alcoholic. Yeah. And you have told people that you sometimes were locked in the basement. No, I was locked in the basement. And that's when you when he would... got very angry. Yeah. I and was sent to sit, sit in a dark basement with no lights, lights on. on. And that's when and you that, would... And that's where I fantasized to escape the horrors that were going on with my dad, certainly. And there was a little record player that I had down there. I'm calling it a record player. And boy, I'm really dating myself, eh? But anyway, and I played this song from the movie Pinocchio, that when you wish upon a star, it makes no difference who you are. And I also pretended I was Cinderella down there waiting for my Prince Charming. So I kept going into my imagination, which was what protected me. It protected me from the the horrors of the abuse. It protected me from uh, the, the fears that I had. I covered it up with some daydreaming, which is what ADHD is very good at. You know, you just daydream away and you, you lock yourself away from the outside world. And, and that's when you, you can't concentrate because well, you're concentrating on something else. And I had a little imaginary horse and I would ride that horse. Yeah. Now, there's no question that, um, you know, you had hurdles to overcome in the past 44 years, lots of them. Where does a young girl from Hamilton get the strength to just push through? Where did that resilience in you come from? Well, I think certainly Maybe it your was mother. the times from my mom. My mom was a single parent. We saw our mother become a cleaning lady, a dressmaker, um, an entrepreneur. She should, we make... just, should, should we just tell people she's 102.4? That's right. And until very recently was doing all the laundry for your, for your doing company? Doing the laundry, building the puppets, doing the sets, doing the costumes, telling me what to do, driving me crazy. We miss her at work, but she still comes in on Saturdays and she'll do the laundry. At 102? Going on 103, Three. she'll be out. She's going to make sure you know that it's 102.5 months or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And she always does that. She's at Humberview Heights now, Village of Humberview Heights. I hear she's having a ball. She's having a ball. And she loves it. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, get, they're coming to the Asian Fusion Night. She wants to see what these girls have done and how they've done it. And uh, it's wonderful. Well, you have really changed, I think, the perception uh, about people with a handicap and also about women. How fulfilling is that for you personally? Well, you see, I don't realize I've done all those things because I'm still busy trying to find, uh, trying to, to better myself, trying to get out of it. It's, it's always one problem after another. I was listening to Chef Mark McEwen the other day in an interview, and he was talking about that when you become um, a leader or a chef or anything, it's all about problems. And every day, he says, it starts in the morning and goes to the end of the night. It's always about a problem and how to solve that problem and reinventing yourself. So I'm always trying to reinvent the famous people players and take it up another level and another level. Now, I don't do 
the job that I used to do at Famous People Players. I don't direct, I don't teach, I don't do that. My daughter has taken over that whole position and has done an absolutely fabulous job, I must say. And not because she's my daughter, because I'm her worst critic. And I get on to her when I don't like something, but it's very rare. She just blows me away. with I, I, I get frustrated because I go, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of that? But uh, she's done great with that. And then I'm, a, I'm now a grandmother, and I have a, an ADHD, out-of-control 12-year-old yeah. <laughs> who I love desperately. But, you know, there's a lot of strain on that. And, and you know, a beautiful husband who reminds me of the wonderful Spencer Tracy <laughs> in movies that I've seen, the way he speaks to people when he's a husband, like, wonderful. And I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But now I take, I really work on the future of the company and where I think it should go. And it's tough in this world to come up with something to reinvent yourself because this world is a very sad place. It really is. But Let's get more, to that in a moment. Okay. I just want to let anybody who's just tuning in now, let them know that you are listening to our one-on-one conversation with Diane Dupuis, the incomparable woman who starred a Famous People Players. This is 105.9 The Region. Diane, where are you going? What do you see in the future? Well, we're all sitting down and having a meeting next week about it. And we're going to put a strategic plan together. We are definitely going to do a museum because uh, the history is so rich. Right. And um, CBC is going to help us with that because they've got uh, the first documentary ever made where they flew with us on the plane going down to Las Vegas for that first show with Liberace, the very first show, and not telling anybody who we were because at that time we were labeled mentally retarded. And I asked Roy Bonestiel if he would do this, and we keep it quiet because nobody ever knew. And they filmed it. I'm so glad I did that because we were told no press, no nothing. And they came and they followed us, and uh, they've got that original. And, and, and I like to view it because back then I was a maniac. Get it going! Get it up! Get the lights! Yelling! Canyon! You like this? Because at that time... The big trend, because we all change in, gen- yeah. in generations, was the miracle worker. Remember that scene yeah. with Anne Bancroft? It's, it's this, you, can you not listen? Down, bring it down, do this, you know, like, you know. And I go repeat it, and I, oh, I was having a, a nervous breakdown at such a young age in my 20s, early 20s. But uh, it'd be interesting to see. I don't think I could recognize recognize myself in this. I was so young at that time and skinny, but um, we're, we're we going to put it all together because what when we do our school shows, nobody knows when they come where it all started. They were stunned, the high school students, that there was a time in Canada where we were segregated. Yeah. And not allowed to be integrated into society. We had the institution up in Aurelia with no doors on the washroom. We were labeled mentally retarded. There was no forks and knives for them to eat their dinner with for fear they'd be stabbing everybody. I mean, all this kind of stuff that would go on. And I volunteered up there and it just it, it, sh- it shook me so much that it's also one of the other reasons why I wanted to do something and I chose black lights so nobody would see them. 
You see, that was the oh. whole reason for black light because nobody wanted them. So we kept it very, very quiet. And uh, so we're going to have a museum. And, and we want to, we, our school shows are so wonderful because they're all about entrepreneurship and discovering the dream that's inside you. So you fail in school. Well, failing is good. So maybe you're not cut out for math. Maybe you're not cut out for a lot of things. But what do you think you are cut out for? What do you like to do? And let's work with that and see. And you know, it's surprisingly, all my co-op students that come in, I mentor them. Because I love doing that. And to see just, and we're not talking disability here. We're talking your everyday student in high school should all experience famous people players. Because the co-op program with us is outstanding. And in the end of it, they're all hired on for jobs. That's wonderful. So it's really wonderful. It really is. Diane Dupuy, thank you so much for joining us. You are an amazing woman, and we are all going to watch with bated breath for the next 30 years well, let's what you're so. going to be up to, because <laughs> if Mary can make it to 102 well, plus, then you're going to follow in her footsteps and probably even last longer. Well, God bless you, and thank you so much. And to all of you listening, please come to Famous People Players. Check out our Instagram and our Facebook and Post something. I'll be posting something about you. Thanks, and Diane. And you too, Christine. Thank you. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at whatshesaidtalk.com. Any bio that states she has eaten her way through much of the free world and since 1979 has written about it professionally is about my kind of woman. And it is indeed a pleasure to welcome Sarah Waxman to What She Said Talk. Hello. Now, Sarah, after decades as an award-winning restaurant critic, best-selling cookbook author, a food and travel journalist, 25 years as a restaurant critic at the Sunday Sun, to name just one gig, at a time in one's life when most people would be winding things down, you launched the spectacular magazine Dine and Destinations, a daunting task. So tell us what prompted you to start the presses. Well, actually... um I, I, I am an accidental publisher. <laughs> the, um, the major uh, factor that changed my life was uh, when my husband died in 2001. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for me, what I did uh, in newspapers and magazines and books was my hobby. And, you know, I was never the breadwinner. I was the the cake winner. Mm -hmm. And then when Al died, um, I I quit a lot of my jobs because I just couldn't put two words together. It was quite a shock. Mm. And then after a while, I started to work again. And I just didn't have the motivation uh, in Elle magazine, Elle Canada, mm-hmm. I was the advice lady. And, uh, you know, I would get these uh, letters uh, from young women wanting advice. Uh, I slept with my best friend's boyfriend. Should I tell her? <laughs> well, I don't care anymore. <laughs> and I just couldn't do that anymore. Right. So slowly, slowly, I stopped working at all my jobs. I left the Sun. I went to the National Post as a restaurant critic Mm -hmm. and then stopped that. And uh, I 
I realized after a while <laughs> that I needed something to do. Mm-hmm. So I went in into Maison de la Presse to see if there were any magazines that I could uh, write for, mm-hmm. any international magazines. I had done that in the past as a freelancer. And there was nothing there, nothing, just cooking magazines. And I did not want to go back to cooking magazines. I wanted to be out of the kitchen and into the dining room. Right. So I was telling a friend about this, and he said, why don't you start your own magazine? Little did he know. So my my brother, who is a lawyer, and uh, I and my friend, we talked about it, and they convinced me that I could do it because none of us knew what all that entailed. I knew how to write for magazines, uh, en route, uh, flair, L, mm-hmm. uh, from the other side of the desk. Right. Not from having a payroll and having deadlines for everybody and dealing with printers and so on. Anyhow, I did it. Hey, you certainly and did. And it has been a very, very steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, our 12th issue is coming out in September. I have a wonderful team. My son, Adam, works right alongside me. Mm-hmm. He's the associate publisher and executive editor, and I couldn't do it without him. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it was in the second year that I was doing everything myself. I mean, everything. And I said to him at one point, Adam, you have to help me. And he said, sure, Mom, what do you want me to do? Drive you somewhere? Pick up something? (laughs) You know, the kids had grown up knowing that I was a restaurant critic and a food writer. So as far as he was concerned, you know, I was still doing the same thing as I always did. So I said to him, I have three or four more restaurants to review. You have to come with me, which he did. And the rest is history. He just loved what he was doing. And now he has become an incredibly intelligent and writer that he has surpassed me by miles. Of course, he has a much better education than I do. So that's how it how all started. Start? Well, I, I, I want to talk about this because your friends describe you as a woman with a huge heart, terrific sense of humor, non-judgmental, adventuresome, daring, with a fashion flair that puts them to shame. But mm. most of all, they call you kind. Now, the, one of them gave me one example. Sarah was reviewing a new restaurant run by a young couple. The food was not anywhere near up to standard. She decided not to write a review and ruin this young, hopeful couple's dream. She told them she'd come back at a later date. She had compassion for them. She really cares about the restaurateurs and rejoices in their successes. Do you remember that? Do you remember that restaurant? Yes, yes, I do. Do you remember what became of them? (laughs) No, but I believe that I'm part of the industry. Mm-hmm. I am not here to destroy. Well, that's what I mean. Writing, I mean, writing reviews must be a, a terribly delicate task. Clearly, someone with your credentials, your following, can literally make or break a restaurant. So, how do you balance that? I once wrote an article: Can a good review help or harm a restaurant? Okay. And in many instances, it could help, but in some, it could harm. Absolutely. 
I went to a Thai restaurant on Jarvis Street mm-hmm. that had recently opened. And my review came out on Sunday morning. This restaurant was unbelievable. The woman and her husband who owned it, she was a master chef from Thailand. She made the most delicate, beautiful things that you would get in a fine restaurant in Thailand. I wrote about it. Sunday night, there was a lineup around the block. The owner took photographs. He couldn't, they couldn't follow up. They, they couldn't uh, feed the people in time, <laughs> and they didn't have dishwashers. Oh he was goodness. running out on the street asking guys on Jarvis Street who were just wandering around, <laughs> would you like a job coming to help wash the dishes? So in that way, it can harm, because people will not get what they expected from my review. Right. Uh, there are many restaurants who believe that I help them um, and and have told me so. I go into a restaurant that I haven't been to or is new. A waiter will come running from across the room and say, oh, Mrs. Waxman, I served you here and here 10 years ago, and I remember what you ate and where you sat, and it's amazing. So the the reason that I can have this magazine mm-hmm. is because I always dealt with restaurants with integrity. Mm-hmm. The first year before we started, I went into a well-known fine dining restaurant to sell them an ad. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a magazine yet. We sat down with our meeting, and I was with uh, another person, and the uh, owner said, well, you know, Sarah... A few years ago, you gave us a very bad review. <laughs> so the person I was with figured we might as well stand up right now and leave. And the owner said, and if you hadn't, we might not be in business today. Because my criticism was not just putting somebody down and making fun of them. It was sincere criticism and suggesting ways to fix that. Mm-hmm. It's like if you have a child and they do something wrong, you're not going to kill them. You know, <laughs> well, you want not. them you want them to be better. They want them to learn, that's true. That was my policy. I felt as part of the industry, I owed that to restaurants. That may not have been any other restaurant reviewers policy but it was mine we are speaking with sarah waxman uh, the publisher of dine and destinations magazine right here on what she said talk and you're listening to 105.9 the region um you mentioned your husband al al waxman of course now you two are one of the first so-called power couples in (laughs) toronto so supportive of each other's work huge participants in in more city national international cultural and charitable causes that I have time to list here, fixtures on the social scene. Yet you had to battle to get Al a star on the Walk of Fame. It only happened, was last year? Last yes. Year? So that must have been very surprising to you. I mean, the hugely loved King of Kensington, after all, no star? Well, you know, I didn't have to battle, but people battled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do anything. It would be 
you know, embarrassing for me to say, hey, give my husband a star. But um, the the board all knew me, and of course, they all knew Al. Mm-hmm. And of course, they got uh, letters from all kinds of people. Uh, uh, there were uh, articles in newspapers uh, questioning why he didn't have the star. And the fact is that it's all political. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. somebody didn't like him, and... They said why, and so on and so forth. People can can really surprise you, right? I mean, one of your friends mentioned that um, after Al died during heart surgery um, in 2001, the social and even philanthropic circles shrank. People, you know, dropped you. That must have been very hurtful. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all? Uh, I have always had my own friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had... um, a full life, and I still continue to have a full life. You've uh, had an exceptional life. I think, I think it's amazing the, yeah, the things and, you've done. And it's understandable. I mean, if you, if if a couple gets a divorce, yeah, uh, all of a sudden they are no longer that uh, interesting entity. They are a single person. So I am still invited to my good friends parties Mm -hmm. and so on, and I invite them to my parties. When we have our launch party every year for our magazine, (laughs) we have 200 people. Many of them are my friends. Absolutely. Who continue to be my friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, What diminished was uh, my invitations to uh, public social events. I find that so surprising, though, because, I mean, to, to me, I mean, Al, yes, great man, great star, incredibly supportive of you. But you, everything that you have done in, in your own life, all the, the charitable, philanthropic work, all your publications, um, your writing, your reviews, everything, it's a stellar career. And I, I don't understand. I hear it a lot. I hear, you know, people don't want a widow at the table kind of thing. They don't want a divorcee I, you at know, the table. I, I, I don't get that because you are your own person in your own right and an outstanding career. For many, many years after Al died, I could not even say the word widow hmm. because it, it was like a little old lady in black, you mm-hmm. know? And I did not even want to think of myself as that person. So I just continued my life uh, when I, my emotions were back in order. (laughs) I continued my life doing what I do, seeing who I see, and uh, I created a new chapter for myself. Mm -hmm. If I retired, which people say to me, when are you going to retire? If I retired... I would lose my hobby, right? Which my, and my hobby is food, cooking, dining, thinking about food, learning about it. <laughs> all food, uh, all the time. Yes. It's fabulous. And I would lose my hobby. I would go nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would have to write about it somewhere. Um, and why not continue to write about it in my magazine? Which, by the way, I am very, very proud of. I think you should, I, I, with good reason. It is, a, it's spectacular, but it's it's only, it's available online. You can read it, I read it online. But it, it goes into, um, into hotels? Yes. Um, 
The top hotels in Toronto have it in all their rooms. Mm-hmm. It is in the Air Canada First Class Lounges, Air France First Class Lounges, Via Rail Lounges. Um, it comes out with the Globe and Mail to certain mm-hmm. postal codes. And... Um, Probably more places that I just can't. <laughs> and this good. year, yes. this year, uh, last year we started to have some French language content. Oh, really? This year we have not only French language content, but Chinese language content, because we're doing a big section on Markham, which is, by the way, the next best place. You should see what's going on there. We are, we're here. We're here in your yes. region. Here we are. Markham yes. is part of us. It's fabulous yes. growth. And uh, there are uh, a very large Chinese population, which we feel we would like to serve. You know, this is, I mean, this is what inspires me about you. I mean, you are ahead of the curve. You always have been. You see, uh, you saw a gap. You know, talking about fabulous food in Toronto, which we, I think we are a food destination. Now you've seen a gap in York Region, where we are. And, and you are sort of fulfilling a purpose for yourself and for other people. It must be very rewarding to be able to do well, that. Well, uh, I get a lot of compliments about the magazine. It's beautiful. Everyone says, you know, wow, this is Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, we can yeah, have a whole discussion yeah. about that attitude. We, really. we continue to use the best paper stock mm-hmm. and uh, photographs and uh, our writing. Uh, we uh, assign other writers, which I'm very proud of, mm-hmm. and we pay them well. <laughs> one of the uh, one of the uh, articles this coming year is. Uh, Elko, Nevada, has the Cowboy Poetry Weekend. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I have not. Well, all the cowboys from the U.S., and there are plenty, right, uh, come and they recite their poetry and they sing and they have fun. So it's not just Toronto restaurants that some people might think the magazine it's, is. Right. It's about everything. And Adam goes to Japan Mm-hmm. Uh, every year. He's fluent in Japanese. He lived there and worked there. He went to Cornell University to study Japanese mm-hmm. in, in depth. And he uh, writes about Japan like no one else. When they invite one Canadian journalist, it's him. He is Amazing. their man in Canada. Uh, we write about American destinations, European destinations, France, Italy, and so on. And it is uh, very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, the time has come for me to step back a little. I don't believe you ever will, sir. I can step back a little. <laughs> <laughs> and Adam is, you know, ready to, to step forward. And the timing is good for everything. Right. This is, I mean, it's amazing. There is um, uh, one woman who has been a close friend of yours for 40 years, says, I would watch her and wish I could do that. So enterprising and innovative. A great listener, always supportive. She has never let me down, and I hope I never let her down. You have some solid friends out there. Well, yes, and, you know, I'm very generous with my friends Mm -hmm. because even though I'm not in the financial bracket that I used to be when I had a... A, a husband, uh, 
I feel that you don't have to have money to be generous. Mm. I, I feel that I am rich in so many things, and I like to be kind to my friends. I like to love my friends, and they love me back. You're, Leona Boyd said, I'm so glad Sarah Waxman is a friend of mine because she enjoys classical music. Yes. So we get to go together. <laughs> she said, you know, Toronto's pretty much, you know, you know she is the one <laughs> that she goes with. So you spend, you spend time with them. And I mean, I think, you know... <sighs> I think everything you have done in your life is remarkable. I was so sorry to hear of, of Al's death when it happened. It was a surprise. It didn't. It was during surgery. Um, must have been devastating. But the way that you picked yourself up, carried on, went forward, and created this fantastic magazine, and that you're still going, it's a, it's a testament to you and your family. And I, I mean, you, you, you came here as a child to Winnipeg. You didn't speak English until you went to school. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and there you end up with this fantastic journalism career that is uh, the envy of a lot of us. Because I was a reader. Mm -hmm. My sister and I would go to the library. We were each allowed to take out three books. By the end of the week, both of us had read the six books and got six more books. In the summertime, we used to sit on our steps and there were other kids and we would discuss. We would discuss uh, books that we were reading. Mm, uh, reading was like the world. Mm -hmm. When you grow up in Winnipeg, it's mm. kind of small, you know. <laughs> so uh, the whole world opened. I always felt there was everything out there. And I felt I could go anywhere and do anything because I could speak English. And, and you did. And Sarah Waxman, I, we have to leave it there. Good luck with whatever is next on your plate because I know it's going to be something yummy. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.